Well, today, you know, this is our last ABF until January. Next week, we'll go straight into the worship, worship gathering. If you have not picked up a devotional for starting in December, there's some over here. Whatever does not go today, we're probably going to take to the nursing homes tomorrow when we go tomorrow to deliver the cookies and the rest of the gifts. And those of you that have helped with that, thank you so much. And uh, the Comers also have some books over here if you want to look at their books afterward as well. They're available. All right, let's turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 1. Of course you do, Judy Payne. <laughs> I do. Mary Ann's supposed to be here, yes. Come here. Come here, Bill. I know, she's at Dean Highland. Yes. You all, and guys, I am not crafty, so the bows on these look terrible. So, but those are free. So and this much. is for Marianne. Wow. Okay. Yes. But you know, you're well. Well, that's um, anyway. Um, you all have been extremely generous in in blessing you guys. Um, we want to do that. Reuben, come up here. You can't be recording yet. Um. But the class just wanted to say Merry Christmas and thank you for um, all you do for us between the singing and the, surf, the word that you give us and stuff. And so we wanted just to bless you. Um, guys, you actually have some candy hey. in there. Yes. Thank so you. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you so much. So sweet. Thank you so much. Thanks, Judy, for making people do all that. <laughs> That's her role in our ABF. She makes people do things. Okay. Do you all remember the Promise Keepers ministry? It took place for many years. Uh, very effective. It sort of ended, fizzled out. It actually didn't fizzle out. The Lord gave him a redirection about 10 years ago. Well... <clears throat> The Lord has given vision to some men to restore that ministry. They've already had their first Zoom call for men, and they will be having another one in January. They realize that strong masculinity is what we need to heal the fatherlessness in our nation. And people smarter than me have said that Antifa, gender confusion, crime, other major problems are due mainly to a lack of fathers and um, are strong fathers. And I don't know if you know this statistic about Waco, but 79% of homes in Waco do not have the biological father at home. 79%. <clears throat> so Promise Keepers is now being revived by the Holy Spirit by men that have received vision from God and direction from the Holy Spirit. And... Um, I heard yesterday the revivalist Kevin Jessup say this, we need men to be fathers again, to arise as godly fathers and husbands and to reestablish the altar of prayer in their homes. 
So we don't just need fathers, we need godly fathers that will take their role as priests in the home and reestablish prayer in the homes. So in this season, God is doing new things. One thing he's doing is restoring older things that have been dormant for a while and he's calling them back into being with a fresh anointing upon them. He's also raising up new ministries like promise keepers. And when God wants to do something new in a person, a family, a church, a city, a, a a nation, he begins that work by impregnating someone with it, giving vision to them as they seek the Lord. It starts out with someone just spending time in the Lord's presence, seeking the Lord, being available to him, praying, being in the word. And at some point, God begins to impregnate them with vision. So that's what I'm going to be talking about today. Birthing new life in a spiritual sense, it's not always spiritual new life, but it's called spiritual pregnancy, and it's when you are pregnant with something God wants to do, and he births it. He always births something through a person. So you'll, ex you'll understand more as we go on. So we're going to look in Luke 1, 26 is where we'll start. <clears throat> And the reason we're looking at Mary is also because it's Christmas season, but because she is a good example of giving birth to an offspring of God. <clears throat> and the way God dealt with her, he often deals with us. Luke 1, we're going to read 26 through 29 initially. In the sixth month, this is referring to Elizabeth's six months of pregnancy, the relative of Mary, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. <clears throat> so Mary was going about her daily duties when God interrupted her life with a word and a new direction. And God often does that today. Mary was troubled at what the angel said, and sometimes we too are troubled at what the Lord says to us. But look in verse 30. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And that is true for us as well. We're not to fear God's call. We need to recognize that it is his favor upon us. When he speaks a new word to us, we need to know this is God's favor. This is God's goodness to us. 31 through 33 says, behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear forth, bring forth a son. You shall call his name Jesus or Yeshua. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. So he announced to Mary that she would be the mother of the long awaited Messiah. They have been praying for a Messiah for centuries. The angel said to her, giving her God's message, you will birth something of God. You will conceive in your own womb. God uses human vessels. And he needed a person to get Jesus into the world the first time. And he needs people to get Jesus into his world now. He needs people that will 
be the vessels of his salvation for the world's inhabitants. And I believe, Reuben and I have both been convicted of this, I believe that we as believers in America have been too too complacent and too comfortable in our own salvation that we haven't been on the edge of evangelism and disciple making. We've kind of left that to others. And I think especially as we get older, sometimes the zeal we had when we were young kind of fizzles and we need to rekindle that fire because as long as we're alive, we are called to share the gospel and to make disciples. So verse 34, Mary said to the angels, how can this be since I do not know a man? And of course that word know is for uh, intimacy with a man. And that's often our human question too. How can God use me? How can he fulfill his word to me? We We tend to see the impossibilities. But in verse 35, the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you, and therefore also the Holy One who will be born will be called the Son of God. And so he, he says, God says, it's not what you're going to do. It's what I'm going to do in you, over you, through you. And it's the same word to us. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you, and what is born of you will be of me. It's not who we are in Christ that is significant. It's who he is in us. It's what he wants to do through us. It's his strength that's made perfect in our weakness. It's all about Jesus. So God wants to do spiritually with us what he did naturally with Mary. He wants to plant something of himself in our spirits. And we will never conceive something from God if we do not have times of intimate interaction and communion with him. Bottom line, there is no conception without intimacy in the natural and in the spiritual If we want to be God's handmaidens, or whatever the word is for men, we need to spend that kind of time with the Lord privately, intimately, that he can download something into our spirit. And then we carry that in prayer. And as we carry it in prayer, it is formed and it is shaped. And at some point, we travail it into birth. Years ago, God did this with me. He's done it actually with me a number of times. Most of the books we've written began with a spiritual pregnancy that I experienced. But a number of years ago, we were living in Haifa. We were teaching and on staff at a, as a pastoral couple in a congregation there. And we were also teaching nationally, and we were preaching internationally. There was a season of a number of years where we preached in about eight countries a year. So we were, we were in a very busy season of our lives. But I began to have a prayer burden, and God had actually planted a seed of destiny in my spirit. But I, wasn't, I didn't really know that's what was going on. I just knew that I was feeling restless. I would get moody and irritable at times for no apparent reason. I was frustrated. Um, I, I felt like something was happening on the inside of me in my spirit and my soul, and I didn't understand it. And so I would spend every free evening walking the neighborhood, quite a big neighborhood in Haifa, and praying 
and praying and praying. And I'd often say, Lord, I don't know what I'm praying about, but whatever you are doing, do it. Whatever you, whatever's in your heart, I pray for that. Whatever is your will, I pray for that. I don't know how to pray. And I would walk and pray usually about an hour at a time. I'd get home very exhausted, partial relief, but still felt burdened. I'd wake up in the morning with the same burden. And I carried this for a number of months. And what was happening with us at that point is we, or I'll speak for me, were overwhelmed with the enormity of the needs in Haifa where we were ministering. But we did not know what we could do differently. And so that was part of the pressure. Lord, how can we meet needs more effectively? We don't know what to do differently. So I was spiritually pregnant And what that means, it's a term we use when God wants to do something and he wants to birth it through someone. And the common symptoms are what I was experiencing. Moodiness, irritation, frustration with current circumstances, feeling pressure and restlessness within. And all this is to force us to pray more frequently and more fervently. That's what it is about. If you have felt any of that, The Holy Spirit is calling you to pray more frequently and more fervently so that he can give form and shape to what you're praying for. Sometimes as we're praying, we envision what God is doing, and sometimes we don't even envision it. We just know that something is happening in the Spirit, and we are a part of it. And, and then eventually we'll give birth to it. So after months of prayer, I began to see God change our ministry circumstances. We'd been pastoring, like I said, locally there, teaching nationally and internationally. And the Lord led us to resign the local pastorate so that we would be free to minister more extensively to the body of Christ at large. That is not what I would have chosen. In our conversations, when we realized we could not do everything we're doing, I'd say, Reuben, let's quit traveling. Let's just stay here and let's give everything to pastoring here. And he'd say, no, God's called us to travel. He's put the nations of the world on our hearts. We have got to minister to other nations. We can't just be here. And so there was a difference with us because when I married him, he was a traveling preacher. He was an itinerant preacher. And I was a youth pastor from South Africa, and the pastorate is is the only thing I'd ever known. I had been pastoring since I was 23, and my dad was a pastor, and both my grandfathers were pastors, and this was in our family. This is all I knew. So it was actually also part of my identity, which I didn't realize. So when God called us to lay down the pastorate, I had to die to my identity and to what I preferred to do to do the new thing, which wasn't fully new, but it was new in that we were leaving the pastorate. It was new that I was leaving the pastorate, especially because Reuben had not pastored as long as I had. But while I had been praying through those months, God was changing the circumstances where we lived, and he was opening more doors of opportunity for us in Israel So while I was praying for God's will, he was preparing a lifestyle and a ministry change for us. God has used circumstances this year to shake all of us, 
to shake loose from us things that he doesn't want us still entrenched in that are still attached to us. He's shaking us loose from our comfort zones, from our wishes and our plans in, in our retirement years or our more mature years. He's shaking sins loose, compromise loose, complacency loose. And sometimes this pressing in in prayer, the whole point behind it is that um, God, God is not only forming, but he wants to give birth to something new. And we have to give ourselves to the process. You know, when a woman's pregnant, she just eventually slows down. She does less actively because she's forming this new baby inside. She's more tired. She's more irritable. She's more frustrated with circumstances. It's part of the, the natural is a reflection of the spiritual. We have to sometimes make more time in our prayer lives, in our time with the Lord, when we are aware that he is doing something new with us, even if we don't know what it's going to look like. And I know that a lot of the praying I gave myself to in those months was for me. For me to be able to say, okay, we're going to resign the pastorate and we're going to go full-time into itinerant or national ministry. So a lot of the praying we do is just for ourselves. We're just not aware of it. So while we pray, we're praying for us, we're praying for our family, we're praying for whatever is coming up that we may or may not know what that is. We met, this was when, that was that particular pregnancy. Another spiritual pregnancy I had was we, we were working in a city in South Africa where we were ministering to the 40 local pastors, most of whom were black, African, and they had had no training at all. One guy had done one or two years of seminary. No one else had had training. Most had not finished school. Two were totally illiterate. And so uh, God put it on our hearts to build a Making Disciples International Academy where we would take these pastors through 10 weeks of a lot of training, uh, two mornings a week. They had homework to do. We did teaching. We did a lot of ministry. It was in English, Afrikaans, and Zulu. And we did that one year. I wanted to do it many years, but after that year, the Lord moved us back to Israel. But that year, as we were preparing for this, praying into it, just had ideas of it, saw the need, weren't sure how to meet it, didn't really know if God was calling us to it, I was, again, spiritually pregnant. And I would pray. It's often the women that are the pregnant ones in the spirit as well. I would walk and pray the area. I would, I would pray a lot. I'd just get on my face and pray before God. And we met with another pastor in Pretoria. We were in Whitbank. And this other pastor, as we were just talking, and, and it was just really a fellowship time, she suddenly turned to me and said, you are pregnant with something God wants to do, and as you're praying, it is taking shape, and it's forming inside of you, and you're going to give birth to this. And uh, she said, it's like a child, and it's, it's becoming what God wants it to be. You just keep praying. You just keep waiting, and the right time, you're going to give birth. And sure enough, we did. We got to take 40 through this Making Disciples Academy for 10 weeks and then did follow-up following that. And um, the Lord just released a whole new work in that city through those pastors. So we don't want to miss what God wants to do. We want to be on the, the threshold of it. We don't want to just observe what God's doing in others' lives. We want him to do things in our lives. He wants to do things through us. As long as we're living and breathing, he's got a plan.
So <clears throat> what's God doing now? Um, he is strategically moving people around. He's shifting ministry foci, even at Highland. There's going to be a greater focus of discipleship ministry in the year to come. He is relocating some missionaries. He's calling some people from a hidden place in him to public ministry. And he's calling others from public ministry to deeper levels of hidden intercession. Let's read on in Luke 1, 36, 37. The angel was still speaking. He said, Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, another miraculous conception. And this is now the sixth month for her who is called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. So in other words, he said to her, Mary, you're not alone in this. This is going to be a miraculous conception for you, just as it was for your cousin, a miraculous conception. God is calling others to new and difficult things too. Others are sacrificing to obey him. And that's going to be true for us too. When God calls us to something new, something that involves sacrifice, something that involves change of maybe a direction we would not have chosen, we're not alone because that is one of the ways of God. He loves sacrifice. It was all through the old covenant. It's also all through the new covenant. We are called to be living sacrifices. And often he calls us to areas of sacrifice. Anything God has promised you, he can and he will do. So stand on that promise. Don't let it go. Remember Numbers 23 verse 19 that says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? He will. We can trust the Lord. And so Mary replied in verse 38, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So basically she said, Okay, here I am. I belong to you. I'm the maidservant of the Lord, the handmaid. You can do to me, put me through whatever is in your heart. I belong to you. I embrace your will. So she surrendered to the Lord's call at that point. Why does God call people to new vision and changes. Why bother? Why doesn't he just let us continue in what we're already doing, what we've already learned to do well, and maybe what we're already excelling in? Why would he take someone from one place to another or from one ministry to another? We had friends that were apostles in Mexico. They had started a church and it grew to now it's hundreds of churches and uh, the apostle's wife was talking to me and she said, you know, we have such a work here in Monterey, Mexico. We've got thousands of people that are part of what we're doing. But the Lord has spoken to me. He actually birthed. He, he gave the pregnancy to the woman, as is often the case. He has spoken to me that we are to go to the Ukraine and start a whole new work. And she said, that doesn't make any sense at all. My husband and I are both fluent in Spanish. Why would we go to Ukraine? We don't know anything about Russian. But as they sought the Lord, he confirmed it. You're to go to Ukraine. So she said to me, as I've been praying about this, I saw a vision of a huge chessboard come out of the sky and a big hand come and start moving pieces around. And the Lord said, I can do whatever I want with my people. 
I can move them from place to place. I can move them to a different calling. I can put them in a different ministry. I can put them in a new home, in a new city, in a new state. I can do whatever I want to do. And he still is doing whatever he wants to do. He moves us around where we can serve the best, where we can reflect him the best and be the most effective in ministry. And it's usually not an easy move. It's usually, you know, I think of Gloria Lewis that recently moved over there to Stony Brook. And within two weeks of being there, she came down with COVID. Man, if she'd stayed in her own home, she probably wouldn't have gotten that. And I think that was a hard move. Had to leave her home, move to a whole new place, into a, and the room they wanted wasn't available. She had to move into one place, two weeks later move into another place, come down with COVID. Now she's in quarantine. But you know what? I think the Lord has set her aside to impregnate her with vision for Stony Brook. I wrote her, I said, you're a missionary there. God's called you there. He's got plans for your life. And wherever God moves us, even if it's into a facility, let's realize God's still in for, he's not finished with us. We need missionaries in all these facilities. Yes. Okay. None of us want to be them, but we need missionaries in there. Oh, praise the Lord. Okay. So why does God call us to something new? Why does he give new challenges? There's mainly two reasons. The first reason is he does not want anyone to perish. He sent Jesus into the world through Mary, and he wants to send Jesus into our cities, our neighborhoods, our worlds through us. And maybe we've become too comfortable right where we are. Remember the, the prophecy we heard last week that a huge harvest is coming in, and God wants us to reap it in evangelism and conserve it through disciple making. And so many of us may be on the cutting edge of evangelism and disciple making. You know, I was so bold when I was young. Man, I just witnessed everybody. I stood up in my classes in junior high and gave the whole gospel. I witnessed all through high school. I witnessed in university. I was so bold when I was young. And as I've gotten older, I'm not quite as bold. I'll just confess that. So I've been praying about that. So yesterday I went to Richland Mall, which I never do on a Saturday. But I... I Kind of felt I should. And I was walking through Richland Mall, one of these little kiosks, you know, where the guys accost you and say, don't you want to try this cream? Don't you want to? I didn't want to do that. I did want the free sample. So he handed me the free sample. And he said, just come over here and let me just try this. You know, and I thought, oh, well, what do I have to lose? Maybe he's Israeli because they often are. And so I sat down with him. He started talking. We started, you know, we had a short conversation. But in that time, I found out he's from Argentina. He's a Jew and he's an atheist. So I spoke to him all about Jesus. Yeah. You know, he was amazed. I've lived in the Holy Land. He's got relatives in the Holy Land. And we talked and talked. And at the end, he said, if you'll take care of your skin and your eyes, I will search for Jesus and try to find him. That was interesting. Hey, so I've been praying for him. He had a, he had a Hebrew name, so I asked him if he was from, um, from Israel, and he, he just said, no, but he is Jewish. So you never know. You know, we have to, I, th I always think of Linda. She witnesses to everybody. You have to have an open mind and look for the opportunities and step into them. Don't just walk past them because you have an agenda, like I had an agenda. Take time to sit down with somebody and, and share the gospel.
And I, as I walked back, later, about 30 minutes later, I walked past that kiosk again, and his partner accosted me. And I said, no, no, I've already been here. I was with your friend. And the friend was looking at me and just nodding, and I thought, I think he seriously thought about that. And I prayed for him a lot the rest of the day yesterday, and I, I believe God has a call on that man's life. So we need, to, we need to be intentional about being evangelistic and about making disciples. So the other reason besides salvation, the reason God changes us or births something new through us is because he wants to change us. And change makes us change. He wants us to look just like Jesus, to talk like Jesus, to act like Jesus. He wants to conform us into his image. And so he uses new and difficult situations as training tools. Part of his strategy in making us like Jesus is to move us from the known and the secure to the unknown and to a deeper walk of trust in him. Go to Isaiah 43. Let's read a few verses here. Hold, hold your place there if you can. We'll come back. Isaiah 43. Going to read verses 18 and 19. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So he's saying, don't look back at the former things. Don't look back at what you've already done. I'm going to do a new thing and it will be miraculous. That's what that phrase means. A road in the wilderness, that is miraculous. Rivers in the desert, that is miraculous. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. Good. So we need to not set limitations on our future based on our past. Don't think that the future is necessarily going to look like your past. God might do something totally new, like take someone who's fluent in Spanish and move them to the Ukraine, which they did do, and they planted an awesome work through the Ukraine. We must be willing to let go of our past and our present in order to embrace the future. All change is hard, even good changes. We tend to fear the unknown. The old is comfortable. It's been fruitful. But according to John 15, verse 2, if a branch bears fruit, then he prunes it so that it will bear better fruit, greater fruit, in the future, if you are in a season where you are not doing what you used to do and you kind of feel like you're on a shelf or you're in the wilderness or you're walking through a fog, I believe that's part of pruning. God has cut away what you used to do and he wants to impregnate you if he hasn't already with, with vision for the next thing that you are supposed to do. You might need to release and probably grieve what you know and love in order to embrace the new thing. When we resigned from pastoring, I grieved it. I seriously grieved it. My identity had been in that. My identity should have always been in Jesus. It never should be in what we do. It always needs to be just in Jesus. Look at Isaiah 42 verse 9. 
He says, Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. So often as we're pregnant with vision, he begins to tell us exactly what he is doing. But if we cling to our past, that can hinder us from hearing new direction. Many of us are like Abraham. Remember in Genesis 17, 18, God had said to him, he's going to give him a son, Isaac, and, you know, and his seed. The nations are going to be blessed. And Abraham's response was, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Why do something new? I've already given birth to Ishmael. I already know this son. Why do you have to do something new? But God loves to do new things. He's not as interested in perfecting the service we provide as he is in perfecting the character of his son in us. That's what he's after. And so he may move us to a ministry or a position to something from something to, to something totally new. He may move us to a new place to get us dependent on him again. He wants us to abide in him all the time and not become so comfortable that we don't really need him. What I have found in my life since I was about 23, that as soon as I get very comfortable doing what I'm doing in ministry, he moves me. And it's like I'm back in the deep end and I, I'm floundering again and I am seeking him. I need his strength. I need his wisdom. I need his counsel and I'm abiding deeply. I'm listening for his voice. I'm following his, I'm sharp again because I'm needy again. And then I get comfortable with what I'm doing, this new area of ministry. And I can do it so well, I almost don't need the Lord. And then he gives me something new to do. So I don't know if he's dealt with you that way or not, but I, that's the way he has dealt with me because he wants me to abide in him. He doesn't care about perfecting ministry strategy or effectiveness so much as he cares about us. He cares more about the labor than he, laborer than he does the labor. So he will move us around to keep us dependent so our roots go deep into him. We need to fight the tendency to prefer security to availability. We must not let our positions and comfortable lifestyle keep us from following Jesus wherever he leads. We are called to be spiritual sojourners, not spiritual squatters. We don't just stay where we are. We continue to sojourn with the Lord. Mary's response to Gabriel was, Behold, the handmaiden of the Lord. I'm available to you for your purposes, whatever that means, whatever it entails. In verse 45, we're going to go back to Luke 1. Verse 45. The angel said, Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. And I want to speak that over you. Blessed are you who believe, because there will be a fulfillment of those things that have been told you from the Lord. And then Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For henceforth, behold, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. Notice that she probably knew in just a moment that she was going to suffer 
shame and embarrassment for being pregnant outside wedlock. She was going to have many changes, many challenges. She's going to be ostracized. She'd be slandered. She'd be gossiped about. But all she did was worship the Lord. She did not resent the changes. She didn't resent the shame. She worshiped God for the favor he gave her. And that is to be our response. When we realize God is choosing us for something new or he has assigned a new vision to us, we need to worship him. Because as he saw Mary's heart, he sees your heart. And he's chosen you to be a vessel of getting Jesus into your world, your neighborhood, your family circle, your city. When God was looking for someone to trust with his son, he saw Mary and he said, I can trust that woman. And he does the same today. He looks around and he says, I can trust that man with my son. I can trust that woman with my son. I can trust that woman with my son. So if he has chosen us, if he's favored us, then we respond with worship. Here I am, the handmaiden of the Lord. Do with me whatever you will. I urge you to make time for intimacy with the Lord in this busy season. December's busy. January's busy. Make extra time for the Lord within these two months. Don't miss conceiving new life from Him in your spiritual womb. The Lord may want to give you new vision. He might want to birth something new through you. It's while we're intimate with him that the Holy Spirit comes upon us and the power of the highest overshadows us. And then that which will be born will be the offspring of God. Let's not miss it. Let's not miss it. Practically speaking, what can that look like? It can be anything because only God knows what he wants to do and who he wants to do it through. But here are some ideas. It can be the salvation of your child or grandchild, that God births it in your spirit, that if you will carry this in prayer and intercession, you're going to give birth to that thing. You're going to see the answer. It can be the prodigal, a, a return of a prodigal child or sibling. It can be an area of service in the wellness center that should be opening this summer. It might be missions. God could inspire you to use your retirement to do mission work, go on short-term mission trips, volunteer at Mission Waco. It might be to write a book, to start a new ministry, to disciple and mentor a younger person. You might hear the Holy Spirit call you to deeper and richer prayer, to expand your prayer life to a place of Deep intercession, long seasons of prayer in the in the word, seasons of prayer in His presence. He might call you to reorganize your finances to support a ministry or a mission. He might even tell you to get a part-time job to connect with unbelievers in the marketplace for the purpose of evangelism. Just think how what a blessing we could be if we all handed out carts to people at Walmart. And we prayed for them and said, God bless you and share the gospel if we had a chance. He may call you to get a, a part-time job. He might tell you to do door-to-door uh, -door witnessing, to invite your neighbors in for coffee and you share your testimony with them. He might tell you to host a Bible study in your home. And then sometimes it's not just personal vision. Sometimes it's vision for a nation. Some people right now are pregnant for planned parenthood to close. And that is a vision that's been heavy on their heart, and they're praying and praying. Remember last week I said they're not doing surgical abortions right now. They plan to start on December 28th. 
So we need to keep praying against that. Some people are pregnant for revival, for an awakening in America. They're praying for revival in churches, for an outpouring of God's spirit where, where there are many salvations, healings, miracles. They're believing for an awakening in America and they will fast and pray until the culture of our nation begins to line up with God's word and his will. That's what happens in an awakening. There is such revival in churches that it overflows the churches and it goes into the cities and it changes the culture. That's what we need. They won't rest until God's kingdom is established in people, cities, and regions. I believe God has planted this seed of vision in the hearts of many people. What does God want to birth through you? You're not going to hear anything new if you don't make time to conceive it in your spirit. Don't fear it. Press in because God has called you and he wants to birth something through you. He knows he can trust his son or his offspring through each one of you. So be intimate with the Lord. Listen for his voice. Don't have your quiet times like you always have. Do something new. If you start out your morning praying a certain prayer and you read a few verses in the Bible and then you go about your day, change it up. Start out doubling your prayer time. Start out doubling your time in the Word. Pray again in the evening. Spend more time in prayer in the evening and in the Word in the evening. Take time in the middle of your day to stop everything you're doing and get on your face before God. Seek the Lord. Expect something new and be faithful to pray until you give birth to it. That's part of it too. Some people are pregnant with something new of God and they never give birth to it. They go to the grave carrying vision in spiritual pregnancy. Let's not do that. Let's be impregnated by the Spirit of God. And then let's spend enough time praying as it takes shape in us so that when the time is right, we can give birth to it. And it may not be us that does it. It may be us that supports someone else who does it. That is the background prayer support or is the financial support or is the encouragement support. So there's a wide range of what this can look like. But I want you to be aware of it because we are in the season where God is doing new things. And we don't want to miss it. We want to be a part of that. Let's not retire from what God is doing. Let's be on the forefront of it. Y'all are still the greatest generation. Let's not hang our hats. Let's keep going. All right, let me pray. Let's close. Father, we worship you for the high calling that you've given all of us. First calling is to represent you to our world and to the invisible world. Lord, we want to walk tall in that calling. Jesus, we want to be faithful again to be passionate and on fire for evangelism and discipleship. Would you forgive us where we have hung our hats and we have not been involved? We have virtually retired from public ministry of sharing Jesus. Lord, I pray you would set us on fire again. You would kindle a flame in each one of us. You would call us again. You would burden us again. And you would help us as we pray that in and give birth to it. I pray that every one of us would be faithful to everything you have called us to be and to do. 
And in this special season, a, a miracle season, not only of the virgin birth, it's a miracle season of Hanukkah as we celebrate Hanukkah right now. Lord, would you do the miraculous in our lives, in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our cities, in our state, in our nation. Would you do the miraculous where the fear of God comes upon all of us and we walk as holy men and women before you. We pray for salvations. We pray for change, transformation, sanctification. Jesus, be glorified in us. Father, please send your Holy Spirit to rest upon us. Pray the power of the highest would come upon us. And what we carry in our wombs and what we give birth to will reflect the Son of God. It will be your offspring. I pray that in the name of Jesus. Pray your blessing on everyone that's here today, your blessing on those who could not be here, those who are still recovering from illness, from surgery. Lord, we love all of our family members, and we pray that you would be present with them wherever they are, in hospitals, recovering at homes, in rehabs. Lord, would you fill their rooms with your presence? Would you touch their bodies, raise them up, restore them fully, we pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen. May he open our ears. We don't want clogged ears. We want to hear from heaven. God bless you all. Let's go worship the Lord.